0: In to Fantasy Baseball today on August 4th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scott White. Today on the show, some fun debuts. Jack Flaherty looked great. So did Michael Lorenzen, Max Scherzer, a little bit of a rough start, but he settled down. Mitch Keller got crushed. We've got rookie hitters doing some fun things and our week 20 preview a little bit later on. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it, especially the ones that have supported us recently. You know, Scott, I brought up how People were complaining about the glob and the double dongs, and we had a one.
1: F- one person was complaining
0: about them. To be clear, one person each, yes. Um, and I called for reinforcements. I said, "Help us out!" And we got a flurry of five star reviews, and all of them yeah. were appreciating the glob. So yeah, t- glob yeah. it up. <laughs> Anywho, let's jump in. Get, up! Get up! You're
1: gone!
0: All right, Scott, you're up. Player of the night.
1: Well, I will take the, the one of the breadsticks that is, you know, nice and a good, a good shapely, puffy, well garliced <laughs> breadstick and leave the, you know, the chewed up one for you. The one I am taking <laughs> is Jack Flaherty. In his debut for the Orioles, looked like Jack Flaherty from 2019. It was tremendous. One earned run in six innings, struck out Eight had 19 swinging strikes on 85 pitches and really just looked like a different pitcher. Uh, I I don't know if it was just a, a lot of adrenaline from new teams suddenly injected into a playoff race. And if it's something we can actually expect to continue, I'm, I'm doubtful of that given how just blah he's been all year. Uh, but His fastball, average fastball velocity was up 1.2 miles per hour. 94.1 is what Jack Flaherty averaged on the fastball. And I was going through his game log, and what I noticed here, I I looked at just the starts where he averaged at least 93.5 on his fastball. So he's half a mile per hour higher than that in this start, but at least 93.5. It happened on July 6th. He threw six shutout innings. It happened on June 2nd. He allowed one earned run in five and a third innings. It happened on May 15th, seven shutout innings with 10 strikeouts. And it happened on April 23rd, which was a a quality start with nine strikeouts. So you'll get the idea. Like those have been some of his best starts of the season when he's gotten his fastball up to at least 93.5 on average. And it was more like 94 in this one. So that's a very good sign. But again, was it just because of adrenaline? Again, you know, part of the reason I could go through that exercise is because he's had these blips throughout the season where the fastball's been up and it it hasn't lasted. So are we to believe it's going to last for him this time? So I was basically just totally ready to dismiss this start based on that little bit of research I did. But then there's the other thing that was different about this start for Jack Flaherty. Not only was the fastball velocity up, I mentioned he had 19 swinging strikes, eight came on the cutter, which was down more than two miles per hour, in which he threw 28% of the time instead of the usual 10% of the time. So the characteristics of this pitch were different. His usage of the pitch was way different. And it was responsible for more swinging strikes than any of his other pitches. And so I don't know what that's all about. I don't know if he met with the Orioles brass and they pointed this out to him and, and they got to work and that it, would, it seems a little quick for that, that big of a change to happen. But that gives me a little more hope that maybe we are going to see a different Jack Flaherty in an Orioles uniform. I'm still skeptical overall. And I was kind of shocked to see how rostered he is in CBS leagues over 80%. I mean, just given how just totally unappealing. He's been all year. That that I found that surprising, and maybe it says something about the the state of the starting pitcher position. So I can't even really offer, ah, pick him up and see how it goes. I, I guess if he does happen to be available in your league, I can say that. I remain skeptical, but there were some interesting things here beyond just he was throwing the ball harder.
0: One thing I'll point out with this start, Scott, and you mentioned the, the cutter and the velocity being down and getting a bunch of whiffs on that pitch. I tweeted out a screenshot as soon as he left the start of his pitch mix from Baseball Savant. And then when I checked later on tonight, it was completely different. So I wonder if there was some trouble classifying pitches and things might have just been off there between the cutter and the slider. It'll be interesting to maybe check it tomorrow and see if things updated, but it was just something I thought was a little weird. So again, it's just maybe they kind of mix some cutters up for sliders or whatever it might be. I hear what you're saying. Um, It might be like a pitch mix change. I think we need a couple more starts here in Baltimore. To find well, out let me more. look
1: at that for a second because I, I see what you mean. So the slider, uh, the average velocity on that was eighty-two point seven. Average velocity on the cutter eighty-six point five. Um, the velocity was down on both.
0: Yeah, it was weird. But his curve was up and his fastball was up. So that's why yeah. I, I don't know. I think they might have. I don't know. Something might have been a little buggy there in the in the pitch well, mix.
1: I'm. It, even if he was confusing the system, even if he was confusing yeah. StatCast, that that would, su- that would itself suggest he was doing something different, right?
0: I think so. I, I think so. But the point is, Jack Flaherty was amazing and potentially so good that he kind of uh, outsmarted StatCast in this one. And we've seen him be good at times this year, as you pointed out, Scott. The question is, can he do it consistently? That's what we'll have to find out you know, maybe being thrust into this first place team in a playoff race and a good ballpark to pitch in at home there in Camden Yards. Hopefully that's something that can uh, get Jack Flaherty back on track. I moved him up in the rankings here on Thursday and he's kind of right in a, he's close in a mix with other disappointing pitchers that have, you know, been inconsistent this year. How would you rank these three, Scott? Flaherty, Lance Lynn, now with the Dodgers, and Alec Manoa, recently called back up.
1: I mean, I'll I'll move Flaherty right to the top of those three for now. I th- I think whoever shows the most recently is going to move to the top of that 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 trio. Uh, so I'll go Flaherty, Lynn, and Manoa. I really don't have much hope for Manoa fixing things this year. If if that time in the low minors wasn't enough to straighten him out, I'm not confident it'll just magically happen between starts in August. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean give up for on him forever. He may very well be a sleeper for me going into next year. But uh, I I, I would be surprised if he turns things around this year. So he's a distant third of that group. But yeah, I'll take Flaherty over Lynn as of this moment.
0: All right. With Jack Flaherty, just wanted to see what the matchup is for next week. He's home against Houston. Are you running him out there, No. No. Probably
1: not. I mean, (laughs) I'd have to be in a pretty desperate pitching situation. Again, it's more... And this is, un- unfortunately, the way it is hunting for, for pitch, starting pitching in August, especially in a year like this, is like everybody has glaring warts. Everybody you could reasonably pick up or acquire for cheap has major, major issues. And, and, and so, like, if, if you need to strike gold, you're going to have to take significant chances. Hopefully, you're not in a position where you have to slot Flaherty in your lineup after this one start but i'm saying if you know if you do have to strike gold at, at starting pitcher I, he's at least given you reason for optimism
0: hopefully you're not in a position where you have to start mitch keller either and, and that's where we're moving on to because he was destroyed at the Milwaukee Brewers, eight runs allowed over five innings pitched, lots of hard contact, nine hard hits in this game, 92.8 average exit velocity against the sinker velocity down nearly one mile per hour. The cutter, which has been a great pitch for Keller this year, down over two miles per hour in this start. And uh, I broke down his season, Scott. It's basically, he's been bad for longer than he's been good, if you can imagine that. His first 10 starts, Mitch Keller, 244 ERA, 0.97 whip. His last 13 starts, 592 ERA, 149 whip for Mitch Keller. He's still 95% rostered. He's only 66% started. Looks like he's in line for two star six week up against the Braves and the Reds, both at home in Pittsburgh. Do you bench him? Do you drop him? What do we do with Mitch Keller? So I,
1: I do want to. I do think it's a little misleading to break down his season that way. It
0: is, it is a fact that through his first how many starts he had a 10 what ERA? 10 first, first 10 starts, 244 ERA, 0.97 whip.
1: And then through his last 13, he had a
0: 592 ERA, one forty. Okay, so that's actually true. <laughs> but you're taking
1: a you're beginning that stretch with one his worst three start stretch of the season until this very recent four-start stretch where he's been awful. So he had an awful three-start stretch at the end of May, early June, and he's had an even worse three-start stretch here end of July, beginning of August. In between, two hits in seven innings with seven strikeouts, one run in seven innings with five strikeouts, no runs, one hit allowed in seven innings. Like, he's had some great starts in the middle of that stretch, too. So it's, it, it is kind of, you know, picking the the end points. That make him look the worse, so I'll, I'll point that out first of all.
0: I'm pretty good at that, by the way.
1: Uh, no, I mean it's, it's, <laughs> it's fine, but I, you know, I'm just trying to be fair to to Mitch Keller here. Um, having said that, last four starts now that that that's where things have gone really wrong for Mitch Keller. He has a 9.97 ERA, a 198 WHIP, mm. um, and so I think it's fair to say he's unstartable while that's going on. <sighs> And I, I wouldn't even. I'm not even totally opposed to dropping him because it's August, you know. Because we're we're really it, it's it's crunch time right now, and you can't afford to be as patience as patient with players who you believe have upside. I think you'd have to be in a pretty shallow league to do it. I think you'd have to be in the sort of league where like Kenta Maeda is still available, and if that's your only way of getting Maeda on your roster is to drop Keller, okay. I I, I can't blame you for doing that, but I. I, what I I try to ask myself in these situations: What do I really think is going to happen? Because it's easy to get bogged down in all the analytics and and make too much of a particular trend and and too little of the overall track record. I, I noticed, for instance, and I'm sure we'll get into it later. Uh, Joe Ryan. So Joe Ryan has had a miserable stretch of seven starts where he's allowed 17 home runs. And, um, he was just put on the IL today because of a groin injury. I guess we're going to get into it now. He was just put on the IL today because of a groin strain that he said, um, was preventing him from getting on top of the ball at the end of his delivery. It was messed up. And he said, it started at the very beginning of that seven star stretch where he allowed five home runs to the Braves. So, he was pitching that whole time, th- this whole miserable stretch with his delivery being cut short. And yet, after his most recent start, I saw all these like really deep analytical takes of how the league is caught up to Joe Ryan and he's got to make all these changes now. And, you know, there, there was actually a simpler explanation than that. And I, I feel like so often that's the case. I, I say, would, would say more often than not that's the case with a pitcher or hitter who's struggling, is that when they're struggling, the advanced stats are just another symptom rather than being the cause. And too often they're cited as the cause. Oh, you know, he's not getting, he's not getting this result on his fastball anymore. Therefore, he has to change everything. It's not working anymore. He's broken. When actually it's just something's off for him. And he's probably going to fix it because look at his track record. And I think that's where we're at with Keller. I don't know exactly what's wrong with him, but he was great over the final three months last season. He was excellent over the first couple months this season, getting a ton of strikeouts too. And, um, you know, he, he obviously regressed from there. And then very recently he's had a miserable time. But I think this likely ends with Mitch Keller settling back into being a pretty good innings eater with a pretty good strikeout rate. I just don't know how long it's going to take, and I'm only willing to take so many lumps waiting for it to happen. I think I reached my breaking point as far as that goes with this start. The one complication is that he's a two-star pitcher next week. And so in points leagues, I certainly wouldn't do it in categories leagues. Now points leagues, maybe, do you run him out there?
0: That's what I was thinking is... Maybe you get away with it, but think about how he's, he's given up some hard contact right now. He has to face the Braves next week, Scott. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I could do it, but
1: it's not automatic. That's for sure. But no, you know, if, if I had a pretty bad pitching staff and really needed to rely on just pumping as much volume into my starting lineup, it, I might be willing to roll the dice on it. That's the only scenario. Otherwise, I would just consider Mitch Keller a straight-up bench at this point and probably need to see more than just one good start to get him back in the lineup. maybe a couple in a row would uh, win me over again.
0: And you know what would be frustrating, too, is if you bench him next week on the two-start week and he performs well in both of them, it's tough because obviously you don't want to start him right now, but then if he goes out and has two good starts in a row, okay, you regain confidence to get him back in your lineup. But then you miss out on all those stats, too. It's tough.
1: There are certain people who are just going to get mad whenever they make the wrong decision. (laughs) And they won't blame themselves for the decision. They'll blame the player, the analyst, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're just going to be mad because they didn't get the right outcome. Okay, (laughs) you you can be mad all the time if you want. But my own personal response, if I benched Mitch Keller because of the way he's gone recently and then he turned in two great starts... I would be celebrating that. Good, my my pitcher is fixed. I can get him back in my line. I would see that as something to be excited about. So, I think benching him is a benching him is a win <laughs> win scenario because um, if he's bad, good. You he didn't hurt your team. If he's good, then okay. Well, I'll still I still have reason to enjoy him going forward.
0: All right, seventeen minute mark. Gonna have to get the old bleep button out for that one. <laughs> uh anyway let's move on uh mitch keller you mentioned okay in shallower leagues maybe some people drop him would you drop him for someone else who also made an awesome debut for the phillies michael lorenzen eight innings two runs five strikeouts at the miami marlins did give up some hard contact in this one as well i I just wonder if is michael lorenzen this year's martin perez it kind of feels like every year there's a couple of pitchers that just outperform their peripheral numbers for the entirety of the season for whatever reason it might be and right now Michael Lorenzen kind of looks like one of those pitchers Scotty 66% rostered facing the Nationals next week would you drop Mitch Keller for Michael Lorenzen only
1: if i was desperate to get another usable arm in my lineup and i do think that Michael Lorenzen we have to we have to say he's usable for right now given that everybody has a certain number of pitcher spots to fill and you're not going to be able to fill them all with entirely safe and worry-free pitchers. I, I do think, I mean, it's, it's the definition of a, of a globby pitcher, right? A pitcher in the glob is that you're going to have to start a few of those guys. You can't be really confident in anything they're going to give you in any particular start, but they've at least shown that when they're good, they're really good. And so it's, it's worth the gamble. And I think Michael Lorenzen is in that class now. He's had a couple different stretches this season where he's he showed we can you know, use him when we have to. And so that's where I'm at with him. You shouldn't put too much trust in him uh, because it could all fall apart very quickly. And you have to know that going in. He, is not, he should not be a fulcrum of your pitching staff. But you could do worse than him in most cases
0: let's talk about one other team debut here mitch uh max scherzer i was about to say mitch scherzer or max that's better than saying some things uh, yeah his name is max scherzer and he made his rangers debut on thursday very rough start and then he settled down you know this first inning i was watching the game it was like dink and dunk i'm looking at the exit velocities on some of these hits 62 miles per hour on hit the first two singles he gave up Then he walked two batters. He walked in a run. I mean, he was clearly off in the first inning, and we've seen that at times from, you know, even some of the best pitchers. Aaron Nola has these, like, snowball innings, and Sandy Alcantara's had them this year as well. The final line for Scherzer, six innings, three runs, nine strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 105 pitches, only allowed three hard hits. Uh, I I was underwhelmed because this was a really, really bad White Sox lineup here, Scott. Uh, But any thoughts on Scherzer's debut?
1: I mean, it was... It was basically what I expected. He's, he's always been... He's always gone through stretches where he's a little vulnerable to the long ball. Not, not that that was that issue, his issue today, but that has been his issue this season why he has an ERA over four. But he still gets so many strikeouts. And, you know, the, the fact that he had a season-high 21 swinging strikes in this start, I think, is... Uh, it still speaks to his upside. He's not... He, he's maybe not a true ace anymore. Maybe not like if, if Max Scherzer is the very best pitcher on your roster, you're probably not doing that great in pitching, but he's, he's not in the glob either. I would, I would say that Max Scherzer is, is, uh, is somebody that you run out there every start without too many, too much second guessing.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. As I mentioned, I updated the rankings on Thursday. I got Scherzer at SP 13. You have him in the same exact spot. So, He's a high-end SP2, not locked in as, you know, an SP1, but let's be honest, there's not a lot of SP1s so far this season, in terms of consistency, at least. Let's take our first break. When we return, we'll talk about some of these injuries. Pitchers are dropping like flies right now. Scott mentioned Joe Ryan. Shane we will give you an update right after this. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back, and a quick reminder to follow us on TikTok. At FBTpod is the handle there on TikTok. We take some short clips from the full-length podcast, the in 5 podcast, cover them up with some highlights, and we put out some interesting information. So make sure to follow us on TikTok at FBT pod and a few updates here. Uh, just a quick note. I will not be on the podcast this Sunday on the live stream. That will be Monday morning's podcast. I'm going to see Metallica Scott. So uh, in my place, you will have Chris towers hosting. And of course he'll be here with uh, old Scotty dubs. So those two will hold it down for your weekend recap on Sunday night. All right, Scott, let's talk about some of these injuries. We did get an update on Shane McClanahan. He left Wednesday with forearm tightness and was officially placed on the IL on Thursday. And in a short statement to reporters, the Rays said they are quote, in the process of gathering further information and updates will be provided when available. You know where my head goes immediately, Scott. I'm (laughs) I'm the pessimist here on this podcast. Uh So I hope I'm wrong, but it, it sounds kind of ominous right now for Shane O'Mac.
1: Yeah, uh, I I cannot play the optimist on this. My response when seeing that statement was "rotto." If, <laughs> if they if they meet imi- if they put him on the IL while still gathering information, that would suggest that the information they do have is not good. And when it's forearm issues, he's been dealing with for a long time now. Yeah, that's uh, I, I don't want to speak it into existence, but. No, don't yeah, say it. I, 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 I fear we may not get any more of Shane McClanahan this year and maybe not next year either.
0: You know, I wonder if, I don't know what it would be. I would have to either do a deep dive or talk to someone much smarter than I am, but some pretty big injuries to the Rays pitching staff this year. I wonder if there's kind of something within the organization or something just underlying there with Shane McClanahan and Drew Rasmussen earlier this year, Jeffrey Springs, some really really good pitchers going down with injuries. So. I mean
1: they they are as cautious with pitchers innings as any organization I feel like. So maybe
0: that's a bad it, thing it, though.
1: Well, yeah, I mean that's been debated for decades at this point. Exactly. To what extent you should baby a pitcher's arm. I I I I don't think anybody uh feels comfortable throwing a pitcher, letting a pitcher go 250 innings or anything like that, but um Maybe the Rays take it too much to the other extreme, or maybe it's just such a small sample of arms that it's it's easy to to make sweeping assumptions that have no merit.
0: Mm-hmm. So I mentioned pitchers are dropping like flies. Shane McClanahan, one of them. Joe Ryan, as we mentioned earlier, on the I.L. with a left groin strain. Shohei Otani left his start Thursday, his pitching start with cramping. Didn't matter. He stayed in as a hitter and blasted his 40th home run of the season. First hitter to 40 home runs this season. Although Matt Olson, hot on the trail there. And uh, Marcus Stroman also went on the IL earlier this week. Joe Musgrove is dealing with minor shoulder soreness. So we do have some pitcher injuries adding up here. But we're also getting some names back. It sounds like Max Freed, Brandon Woodruff this weekend, Clayton Kershaw next week. So it's a give yeah. and take. We're losing some. We're getting some back. And Stroman shouldn't be out
1: for long. I think with off days, I, I saw he should only miss one turn. Uh, so w- will he be fine when he returns? I don't know about that. I, I do want to add with a, a little additional context to the Joe Ryan thing, even though I already got into the meat of it. So this injury that this groin injury that landed him on the IL coincides directly with this miserable seven start stretch he was on, where he gave up all the home runs. But also, he didn't tell the twins it was going on and Rocco Baldelli sounded kind of upset about that. He said, the communication of this certainly has to be better. Uh, so that's like, I, I think it's a legitimate thing. I, I don't know how much the Stroman thing is. Uh, he's struggling. So let's just give him some time off <laughs> and see if it writes itself. I, it sounds to me like the Joe Ryan thing was like, it was really messing up his delivery and he knew it and he just didn't let the team know and tried to, to gut through it. Uh, so uh, I don't know how long he's going to be out, but hopefully we'll see. Hopefully Joe Ryan will be back to normal when he returns. I feel pretty good about that.
0: You know, it's interesting you bring that up because we, we had a similar situation with Anthony Rizzo, who was placed in the IL with post concussion syndrome. Uh, and apparently it stemmed from a specific event. It's one that I've been bringing up for months now. It's he had a collision with Fernando Tatis back in late May and he hurt his neck and basically he hasn't been the same since. He said he goes to sleep sober and he wakes up and he feels like he's hungover. So there's, it's yeah. been going on for a while now for Anthony Rizzo, but he didn't tell anyone? Or like there's no testing done or the medical staff doesn't know about it? It's just, it's weird yeah. that there's just no communication here. And they,
1: they did testing and it showed impairment. And, uh, you know, that's a scary thing, obviously. Yeah. Um, so we wish Rizzo all the best, but just to, to point out, because we know the timing of it, we can look back at the numbers and see how much it's affected him. At the time it happened, Anthony Rizzo was batting three Oh four with an eight eighty OPS. Remember he got off to a great start. He was awesome. One home run since then. I like just yeah. totally, totally ineffective. And now we know why. And I, I think it's um, from an analyzing player performance perspective, you always like to have a clear correlation like that, the, 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 the 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 event in question lining up with the change in production. And I think in both Ryan and Rizzo's case, we do have that. So that's I mean, <laughs> talking about injuries, I don't want to say that's encouraging, but it just it's it helps me feel more confident we know what's going on.
0: Okay, let's get back into the pitchers. All those injuries, you might need someone to add in the meantime. So some waiver wire options. Brady Singer has pitched well over his last seven starts. He was facing the Mets on Thursday, eight shutout innings with four strikeouts, 13 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. Still did allow a good amount of hard contact. But during these seven starts, a 3.0 ERA, a 109 whip, 36% rostered is Brady Singer. Poor Brandon Fott. He turns in the best start of his career. He allows a single solo home run, and he takes the loss. The D-backs lose one zip in this game. He goes seven innings. He allows one run, seven strikeouts with 15 swinging strikes. And uh, what did he do differently? He leaned all the way into the sweeper. It was his most used pitched, 39% usage. And I was texting with the Welsh asking if he's heard anything, and apparently... Brandon Fott has been they moved which side of the rubber he was standing on on the mound. Uh something that Brent Strom has been working with him. And that's that's pretty encouraging to me that, you know, they've made a change mm-hmm. and over his last three starts he's he's looked pretty good.
1: So Yeah, I did hear about that when he when he came back up and but I but I think what stood out more is is the 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 change in pitch selection, as you point out. Because Fott's fastball is not very good, and he was throwing it over 50% of the time when he was up earlier. And in these three starts since returning, it's been under 40% of the time. And meanwhile, he's been emphasizing the sweeper more and more, peaking at 39% in this one, and was responsible for two-thirds of his whiff. So I I do think that is a positive change for for Fott. And I don't know. I, I still don't know if it's enough to get past the fastball not being good. But if he is going
0: to get past that, this is the way. Yeah.
1: Not to sound like the Mandalorian.
0: <laughs> uh, three starts since returning for fought 16 strikeouts to two walks. That's pretty encouraging. The bad, he still allowed five home runs during that time. Brian Wu, a bounce back start. I'm I'm sorry. Brian, Woo, he's back, baby. <laughs> Bounce back start at the Angels. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts with 14 swinging strikes. And Adrian Hauser, a strong start against the Pirates. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts. Scott, how do you rank this group? Singer fought uh, Brian Wu and Adrian Hauser. And are you actually enthusiastic about any of them?
1: Uh, singer fought,
0: uh, what happened to my email here? Singer fought Brian Wu and Adrian Hauser.
1: I would say that the one I am most likely to invest in is Wu, who wasn't so great in his previous three starts, but he's been good more often than not and can get whiffs on his fastball. It was the case in this start. So, you know, I don't have as much faith in him as I used to, but I I think clearly he's the one to roster from this group. The other three I'd be very scared to do anything with, Singer, (laughs) Fott, or... Hauser. I mean, Hauser may not be in the rotation for long with uh, Brandon Woodruff coming back. And Singer, while he's, you know, had more success recently, you know, it's it's still for a guy who gives up hard contact and also doesn't get many whiffs. And so I just think there's too much danger. I, I'm not I'm not willing to call Singer part of the glob yet. Because I just think the the downside is too high. The downside is too low. There's too much downside.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably the way to say that. I think that's fair. Uh, but uh, a little encouraged by fault. Let's see where he goes. Next week, he's going up against the Dodgers. So there's absolutely no way that you could start him in that one. But if he pitches well again in a tough matchup, then I'm like, okay. Let's see. Let's see what happens with uh, Brandon Fock. Speaking of rookie pitchers, let's talk about some rookie hitters. Christian Encarnacion Strand, he went two for three and now has multiple hits in three of his last four games. He has the batting average up to 283 so far, but only one home run. He's hitting the ball very hard, 90 mile per hour average exit velocity, lots of line drive so far. Uh, So he's hitting the ball hard. He's just, I guess, not lifting it enough yet, but I think the results have been encouraging here. Uh, I want to see where, what position did he start at here in this game? Cause he has four games at first base, Scott. We need one mm. more and Encarnacion trend will gain first base eligibility. Well, guess what? He started at first base on Thursday. <laughs> so now he has first yeah. base eligibility. Uh, there were two names that I was saving for later on Ryan Mountcastle. He's on fire four for four at post all-star break. He's hitting four forty-nine with two home runs. Um, and Joey Votto, I, I I think he's been really good so far. I mean, I was ranking Votto and Mountcastle, and I kept going back and forth. How would you rank those three? Mountcastle, Votto, Encarnacion Strand?
1: I would go Castle, Encarnacion Strand, Votto. I think. I'm, I'm still pretty hopeful for Encarnacion Strand. Uh, among the other things you mentioned, his strikeout rate's been around 25%, so it hasn't been... It hasn't been scary high the way you might halfway expect it to be for a for a slugger in his first taste of the major leagues. So I think there are a lot of things to be encouraged by with him. But the reason I put Mountcastle number one, not only has his performance been excellent since returning from the IL, 460 with two home runs, seven doubles, but let's remember why he was on the IL. He It was a case of vertigo. And sort of like with... Anthony Rizzo, I mean, if you're not if your equilibrium is off and you're trying to hit a baseball, it makes it that much harder. So, like you could understand why he struggled so badly before going on the LO on LO before going on the IL Mount Castle. Um he said his own words, I felt like the ball was a pea size and it was just blowing by me for a couple games there. A couple games there, meaning a couple months. Yeah. Um and when he returned, he said, "I feel like a normal human being again." And and we see the results—how dramatically they've changed. He is held back by his ballpark. It's maybe the worst possible ballpark for a hitter with his profile, but he hits the ball so hard that uh, I st- I still think we're going to be pretty happy with Mount Castle's results, uh, particularly a position that's been hard to fill, first base.
0: Mm-hmm. One other name I forgot to throw in there: Tristan Casas. Would he be at the top of the list? Ahead of Mountcastle, ahead of Encarnacion trained?
1: So I think I put Casas ahead of Mountcastle in points leagues and Mountcastle ahead of Casas in, in Roto Leagues in my most recent update of the rankings. The obvious reason being Casas walks a lot. Mountcastle doesn't walk much at all. There is also a playing time concern for Casas that Mountcastle doesn't have, but I'm hopeful that's going to change soon with the way... Cas has been hitting. I'm. I, I hope the Red Sox begin. It hasn't happened yet, but like if 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 he's ever earned the right to start against left-handed pitchers, it's with the work he's done lately.
0: Yeah, that's my only concern as well. I think for now I would put Mountcastle at the top, then probably Cassis and Carnacion, Tran, and Vado in that order. But it's close. They're all pretty fun players right now. A couple other rookies. Where should these names be rostered? What size league? Zach Geloff went two for four with his fifth home run and in 17 games now with the Oakland A's, 242 batting average, all right, not great. He's striking out quite a bit. Five homers, five steals, 867 OPS, only 26% rostered. He's looked pretty good. He's He's been one of the better rookies so far, I guess, that just comes up and kind of hits the ground running. Uh, Scott, what size leagues do you think Zach Geloff should be rostered in?
1: Uh, Well, the 15-teamers, for sure. Would I pick him up in a 12-team Roto League? I think so. With that, with that middle infield spot to fill. If I had a need, I can't imagine you're going to find much better than him. But, I, you know, he doesn't have a lot of raw power. He's managed to hit five home runs so far. I think his max exit velocity is only 106, which is pretty low for a max exit velocity.
0: It's only 17 games, though. Uh, yeah, well,
1: after 17 games, I'd expect him to hit one ball harder than 106. And I, I, his, like, his minor league exit velocities aren't great either. True. Uh, he's also striking out 33% of the time, so I'm bearish on Zach Geloff, I would say, but he's going to play a lot. He's hopefully going to steal some bases in addition to, to sometimes hitting home runs, so he's not, you know, he's, he's, he, he could he could be useful to some people.
0: Big day for Brewers rookies. Sal Frelick had a monster game. Two for three with two walks. His second home run and five RBI. He hit the home run off of a lefty. I thought that was a good sign as well. And obviously, this game helped it out quite a bit. But his first 12 games, 273 batting average, 950 OPS here for Sal Frelick. Still only 62% rostered. Bryce Tarang went three for five with his fifth home run. Joey Weimer, two for three with a double and two walks in this one. Uh, Scott, the Welsh and I had a... Long conversation yesterday about three outfielders that are performing very well right now Chaz McCormick, Riley Green, Lars Newbar. Would you take Sal Freelick ahead of any of those names? I would not. Me neither. I would not. In fact,
1: he had been pretty cold prior to this game, which, you know, is his his further repudiation of Mitch Keller, I guess, that the Brewers lineup of all lineups. Was beating up on him. Uh, Has he stolen a base yet, Freelick? Because that needs to be a significant part of his skill set for him to be a true fantasy asset. If if he's not going to do that, it's going to be hard for him to make a real impact.
0: He has zero steals so far. Yeah, that's
1: what I thought. It's still early and stolen bases can come in bunches. I do have him as a sleeper hitter for this upcoming week, but no, I definitely rank those other three outfielders ahead of him.
0: Okay, Uh, two deeper league outfielders. Alec Burleson three for four with his eighth home run so far in the second half, batting 356 with three homers and a 1014 OPS. The problem is that he's only started three of the past seven games for the Cardinals and Cade Marlowe three of the past four, though, three of the past four. That's right. You know, you see what I did there, Scott. I made it look worse than it was. You did (laughs) Um, Cade Marlowe with potentially the oh my goodness gracious moment of the night. Two for four with his second home run, a go-ahead grand slam off Carlos Estevez in the top of the ninth inning. They're down by two runs. He comes up and hits a grand slam. Uh, so far in 12 games, batting 333 with two homers, two steals, and a 1096 OPS. Has flashed some big power and speed in the minors as well. Uh, Scott, who would you prefer, Cade Marlowe or Burleson in deeper five outfielder leagues?
1: Well, I, I think we can have a little more faith in the pl- in the playing time for Marlowe. I wasn't sure how the acquisition of Dominic Canzone would affect it, but uh, they've been able to get both in the lineup most days, seems like. Yeah. Uh, so maybe not at all. Um, pulling up his stack has page. I haven't looked at it in a while. Gosh, he's, he's managed to keep the strikeouts low. I don't think that'll continue because he had strikeout issues in the minors. But he's an interesting player, and, and if you're asking me to choose between him and um, and Alec Burleson, I would take Marlowe for the playing time. But I am a pretty big Alec Burleson fan, just from a pure skills standpoint. And every time he's in the lineup and does something, I'm hopeful. That's going to lead to more times being in the lineup for Alec Burleson. So, you know, two home runs in as many games now. Um, But the reason I like Alec Burleson, not only, you know, just look at his minor league track record. Last year, basically from start to finish, he maintained a batting average well over 300 with power. And now this year in his rookie season season, Despite the sporadic playing time, Alec Burleson, his average exit velocity and max exit velocity, both around 65th percentile, so pretty good in terms of how hard he impacts the ball, he's striking out less than 11% of the time, 98th percentile for strikeout rate. So he's it's high-quality contact and very high-quantity contact. And that's, that's an indication of a good hitter. It's not like he's somebody who puts the ground on the ball too much it's not like Burleson, somebody who puts the ball on the ground too much and cuts off his production that way either. I think he just needs an opportunity. And uh, you know maybe now that the Cardinals have waved the white flag for, I mean, I guess they did a while ago, but now that it's clear to everybody they're done for 2023, hopefully he can get in the lineup more.
0: All right, let's quickly hit some news and notes. We had a ton of Dodgers news. Clayton Kershaw faced live hitters in a simulated game Thursday and is on track to return next week. J.D. Martinez expected to return to the Dodgers lineup on Saturday. He's missed three straight with left hamstring tightness. Walker Buehler is apparently on the verge of beginning a rehab assignment, and Dave Roberts said they're expecting Buehler back as a starting pitcher in the early part of September. He had Tommy John surgery last August. 42% 42% rostered Scott do you think Walker Bueller is a must stash for the final month of the season
1: yeah I, I would say in light of this news that's that's better than messing around with um John Means he's sub pitchers well I mean John Means isn't a bad choice to stash either but yeah I right. prefer Bueller between the two I'm, I'm saying both of them have the potential to be better than most any pitcher you'd be able to pick up off the waiver wire right now. Unless, again, you play in a league shallow enough that like Kenta Maeda or somebody like that's still available.
0: Or my boy Seth Lugo, who I'm just going to keep yeah. pumping. Pump him to the top, baby. Let's go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I think he's under-rostered myself.
0: Max Muncy left Thursday's game after taking a pitch off of his left forearm and wrist. So we'll hopefully find out more on Friday. Non-Dodgers news. Brandon Woodruff scheduled to return Sunday against the Pirates. Good news. You'll love to see it. Mike Trout will soon advance to contact swings. He's been doing dry swings since Monday without any issues and could rejoin the Angels in mid-August. Justin Verlander is lined up to start Saturday for the Astros when they face the Yankees. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, we mentioned earlier, on the I.L. with post-concussion syndrome. Nestor Cortez set to rejoin the Yankees and start Saturday against the Astros. Stalling Marte expected to be activated on Friday. He's been out since mid-July with migraine headaches. Rich Hill scheduled to make his Padres debut Sunday against the Dodgers. Brandon Drury will play at least two more minor league rehab games before rejoining the Angels. He's 70% rostered if you need a utility man, someone that could bounce around on your team, first, second, and third base eligibility for Brennan Drury. Jose Urquidy is likely to return Sunday against the Yankees. He's 55% rostered if you're looking for a, a high floor type streamer. And one prospect update, twin shortstop prospect Brooks Lee has been promoted to AAA. He was batting 292 with 11 homers, six steals uh, across 87 games at AA. Let's take our final break. And when we return, we'll talk about our week 20 preview here on Fantasy Baseball Today.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Big shout out to everyone watching us live. We do appreciate you being here. Make sure to like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Our week 20 preview. Let's start off with the schedule. Three teams with five games next week. The D Backs, Mariners, and Cardinals, 15 teams with six games. 11 teams with 7 games. And the rare, one team with 8 games next week, your Atlanta Braves, baby. Starter sit, these two-start pitchers for next week. Dylan Cease. I know, he's been up and down this year. He had a stretch where he looked pretty good there. Just got crushed on Wednesday against Texas. Scott, are you starting him against the Yankees and Brewers next week?
1: Yeah, I think you have to. I think a pitcher of this caliber, it takes more than... One disaster start and one not-so-great start back-to-back to steer me away from him in a two-start week, especially when the matchups are as good as they are.
0: What about Tony Gonsolin at the Padres and home against the Rockies?
1: So, Tony Gonsolin's actually been pretty bad this year. Yes. His his most recent start was fine, though not he didn't go six innings. He's hardly ever gone six innings. Uh, but these matchups are pretty good. So, I think... If it's a points leak scenario where you're looking to maximize volume, you could, you could try your luck with Tony Gonsolin this week.
0: Well, I've got Mitch Keller here on the list, Scott, but I think we spoke about him enough. How about Gavin Williams uh, at home against the Blue Jays and at the Tampa Bay Rays? Uh,
1: it's kind of tough matchups there, and he just hasn't had enough good starts. So I, I, I lay no on Gavin Williams.
0: Braxton Garrett at the Reds and home against the Yankees. It's a no for me. And Hyunjin Ryu at the Guardians and home against the Cubs. No. All right, let's slide into the two-star pitchers that we do like this week. Names that you could add and stream. Seven names on the list, Scott. Who you got?
1: I got Seth Lugo as my favorite two-star streamer for this week. We just talked about him and how effective he's been. And I think it's a very safe profile getting ground balls with his curveball and limiting walks. Matchups are kind of tough. Yeah, more than kind of tough against the Dodgers at the Diamondbacks. But remember, some people were afraid to use him at Colorado in his most recent start because of that matchup. And it went well. So I'm hopeful it'll continue this week. He was supposed to be a two-star pitcher this week, by the way, but I yeah. guess the trade deadline messed everything up. So now he's a two-star pitcher next week, and we'll recommend him again. Ranger Suarez. He was also supposed to be a two-star pitcher this week, and now will be next week against the Nationals and against the Twins. Very good matchups. The Twins are especially bad against left-handers. Got to like Ranger Suarez this week. Grayson Rodriguez going against the Astros and then at the Mariners. Uh, The underlying numbers are much better since he's he's returned. We're still waiting for him to kind of have his his start that puts him on the map in fantasy. Uh, But he gets two bites at the apple this week. Cutter Crawford... Has three of his last four starts have been great, and he gets the Royals and the Tigers, two bottom three offenses. Can't ask for better matchups than that. Josiah Gray at Philadelphia, but then against Oakland, same for Mackenzie Gore, the the Charizard of the pitcher pool, <laughs> and then Cole Reagans. I don't know how much you guys talked about Cole Reagans yesterday. Very minimally making his second start for the Royals after, you know, a long stretch in the minors in between the two. He was in the Rangers bullpen earlier this year as sort of a long reliever. Former prospect who had some health issues in the minors, but he showed up to spring training throwing the ball much harder, which was what initially made me interested in him. And then in this start for the Royals where he struck out eight Mets in six innings. Uh, Cole Reagan's unveiled a much slower slider uh, or a much slower cutter is how it was classified, but it was actually more like a slider and, um, it got much better results overall. Uh, he thinks it'll help neutralize lefties, even though he's a left-handed pitcher and his numbers against lefties had been bad this year. He thought the cutter and fastball were too close in velocity. And, uh, you know, one start into this change in approach results have been a lot better for Reagan's. And as I said, he throws very hard. I I think he could be surprising only 4% rostered at Boston versus St. Louis. That's obviously, you know, if you have to go really deep into the streamers, but I I think he's interesting enough to, to point him out in a two-start week.
0: Those cutter Crawford matchups, Scott, does not get better than that, man. The Royals and the Tigers, that is just amazing stuff. Which brings us to the single-star streamers because his teammate is also on that list. Nick Pavetta, who is 62% rostered, going up against the Royals next week. The other new two names here, Kent Maeda at the Tigers and Andrew Heaney at the San Francisco Giants.
1: So I want to mention a couple things there. Kent Maeda, of course, like it's, it's a miracle if he's still available in your league. He's only 78% rostered, so he qualifies for this list. And he is the number one sleeper pitcher for this week because I don't even really think he's a sleeper pitcher anymore. I have him ahead of Lugo and Suarez, the two start options. Um, And then part of the reason Heaney's here, yes, he was great in his last start, got a ton of strikeouts. The Giants, who he's facing, have been terrible against left-handed pitchers specifically. Uh, Third worst OPS against lefties and a near 25% strikeout rate against lefties. So I'm I'm hoping that's a a matchup Heaney can take advantage of, particularly if he carries over his success from his last start.
0: Yeah, that strikeout rate for the Giants, uh, near 25%, sixth highest against left-handed pitching this season. So a very good matchup there for Andrew Heaney. Let's slide over to, to the hitters and the best matchups for next week. The Atlanta Braves with those eight games, followed by The Red Sox, Dodgers, Phillies, and Brewers. The worst hitter matchups, the D-backs, Mariners, Orioles, Angels, and the White Sox. With that being said, Scott, your sleeper hitters for week 20. So as you mentioned, the Braves have eight games this
1: week. That's part of the reason why they have the best hitter matchups. They are facing... The Pirates pitching staff for four games and the dismantled Mets pitching staff for four games. So that's the other reason they're the the best hitter matchups for this week. Marcelo Zuna, obviously, want to take advantage with him this week. Only 61% rostered. Orlando Arcia, you know, he's hurt by batting ninth, or I guess he bats eighth. Michael Harris bats ninth. He's hurt by batting low in that lineup, but um, when he got eight games, that's going to help make up for the lack of volume, at least over the course of this week. So I think he's a fine play. I don't have him among my ten, uh, 10 sleeper hitters, but I do want to also single out Eddie Rosario here. Hasn't been great lately, but seven of the eight pitchers on tap for the, the Braves are, are, are right-handers. So Rosario should play a lot. And as I have already mentioned, the opposing pitchers are not so great. Very top of my sleepers hitters list is, uh, is Brandon Lau, the, Royal, uh, the Rays have pretty good matchups going against the Cardinals for three and the Guardians for three, and only one left-hander on the schedule, so we should see plenty, plenty of Brandon Lau, who's been great since returning from the IL. Chaz McCormick, he's been awesome for, what, like a month and a half now, batting well over 300 with plenty of power. Got to keep him in the lineup. The Red Sox, who, as you pointed out, Frank, have the second-best hitter matchups this week. They do have seven games, three are against lefties, But I think the matchups are so good and and they've played so well lately that Jaron Duran and Tristan Casas, you still have to get them in in your lineup even though there are three lefties on the schedule. Uh, Jake Berger is at his best against left-handers and the Marlins have three on the schedule, so I like him this week, his first full week with his new team. Uh, The Reds... Who are they facing? They have they're facing the Marlins for three, but then also the Pirates for three. So they have pretty good matchups. Will Benson, Joey Votto, I think they're fine plays. And I mentioned Salik Fre Salic. I mentioned Sal Frelick earlier with the Brewers having the fifth best matchup. So here's the thing: I'm actually talking much faster now then i'm i'm comfortable my mouth is moving faster than my brain can keep up with and and that is that is something that ho- often happens to me on this podcast and yet i know to you it sounds like i'm talking very slowly believe it or not i'm talking about like i am talking at like 200% speed for me so just just imagine what it must be like to talk to me IRL
0: scott did you drink a whole a big old cup of tea before we started here or what happened
1: uh, no I mean, I had a Mountain Dew like two hours ago, but I don't think that's, I, you know, I, I usually do that. I, I've said this before too. In terms of energy level, my 200% is like most people's 80%. So <laughs> I really have to bring it on this podcast. I know it sounds sometimes like I'm falling asleep. I can assure you internally, it's not like that. I am really bringing it here. <laughs> and uh, I just want everybody to appreciate the effort that it takes to sound energetic and to speak at anywhere close to a normal tempo um yeah i might need to i might need to dial back the tempo a little bit so i can stop tripping over my words but that's where we're at
0: especially at 1 a.m eastern time sky you know it's <laughs> it's look we're not complaining we love to do it this is kind of you know the nature of the beast but yeah it's it's kind of hard to keep those energy levels up you know this late at night so uh Whatever. Built-in excuses, I guess I'm making. Uh, where are we using Otani next week? He is facing the Giants as a pitcher, but, uh, you know, left with some cramping here on Thursday, and obviously he's been so dominant as a as a hitter as well. Uh, six games next week as a hitter, facing the Giants and the Astros pitching staffs. Um, it comes down to what you need. Uh, I'm still leaning hitter in the meantime. Let's wrap up here, Scott, with some leftovers, and I do have a couple pitchers here on the list. Two that were... Uh pretty good. We'll start with the good first. Sonny Gray turned in his first seven inning quality start since April 24th. He was at the Cardinals. Seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts to zero walks for him. And it's kind of been a rocky road. He's been up and down the rankings, but at the end of the day, he has a 318 ERA. The whip is high, 124, but right around a strikeout per inning, he's he's been solid. He's been, you know, not that he's been great. But he's been solid this year. Julio Arias. Sonny Gray. Yeah. Uh, Julio Arias, solid start for uh, going up against the Oakland A's. And um, he was dealing with a split fingernail. So they didn't know how much he was going to pitch in this one. But he did go five shutout innings with five strikeouts. uh, Only through 68 pitches. Anything here on Sonny Gray and Julio Arias?
1: Not really. I mean, Sonny Gray, this is... This is typical Sonny Gray. Not enough volume consistently, and so at times you're really frustrated with what he's doing for you, but uh, at his best he can be very effective. It seems like he's been pitching a little better of late, so that's good timing. And then Arias. Arias is another case of a pitcher who really was going through a rough time for a while now and people were – for a while there and people were starting to freak out. Had an ERA over five recently at one point, Right. I um, think so, but another instance of, come on, it's Julio Arias. Unless we, unless like his velocity's way down and it's obvious he's dealing with something health wise. I mean, he actually was in this start, right, with the split fingernail.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but my my point is, you can trust those guys to come around and not not get so deep into the the analytics of it that you lose your way.
0: One other name on this list, after his last start, you might have thought. Christian Javier, showing some signs of coming around. The velocity was up. He had 20 swinging strikes in his last start. Well, he was at the Yankees, and he wasn't great. Four and two-thirds innings, three runs, three walks, four strikeouts with two homers allowed in this one. He still has an ERA of 439. He's got a 121 whip on the year. And uh, he's at Baltimore next week, Scott. So I guess first question, are you starting him at Baltimore? And someone on Twitter asked me a question about his keeper league value. I think it's kind of hard to evaluate Javier from like a long-term perspective, at least right now. Uh, so I guess those two questions, long-term value, and are you starting at Baltimore next week? I think
1: I'd start him at Baltimore. Obviously, deep left field fence, he's a fly ball pitcher. I think that's going to work out well for him. I think the overall trend for Javier is encouraging. I know this start was a misstep. After you know the big nine strikeout effort last time when he seemed to get back on track, but this is now four starts in a row where Christian Javier has been, had double-digit swinging strikes. After five straight starts where he didn't, that was scary. That five start stretch was a very scary time for Christian Javier. But I think he's I think he's mostly back on track, at least trending that way. And uh, I certainly wouldn't be looking to drop him after this start.
0: All right, some hitting leftovers. Uh, Trey Turner dropped to eighth in the Phillies lineup, and he responded by going 0 for 3. He's now down to a .235 batting average. Giancarlo Stanton has low-key been hitting dingers lately, not much else, but he is hitting home runs. One for four with his 16th home run, 114 exit velocity, 430 feet, and uh, over his last 20 games, he has nine home runs. So, okay, thank you for the power. Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, the summer of Bobby Witt Jr. continues. He stays red hot, three for four, with a sock and a shoe. His 19th home run, his 31st steal, and the overall batting average is up to 269. He's crushing it here in the second half. Oh, man. We, I, it could just be a big final two months here for Bobby Witt Jr. The way he's playing, the stat cast data, everything is lining up perfectly for him. One other name here, Scott, Salvador Perez. Haven't talked about him. He's still 99 percent rostered. should he be? That's the question. He's batting 246 with 17 home runs. All right. you know you're not going to find 17 home runs elsewhere with a catcher, but he's dealt with some injuries over the past couple of months since the start of June. It is now 48 games. Salvador Perez is batting 204 with five home runs and a sub-600 OPS. What do we do?
1: considering he's a catcher. I don't think there's much you can do other than start him.
0: Well, would you prefer to maybe ride the hot hand if you could? Someone asked me, would you drop Salvador Perez for Cal Raleigh?
1: No, I don't think so. And and look, maybe maybe the injuries have affected him on the same day we've talked about Joe Ryan and Anthony Rizzo and Ryan Mountcastle and how their injuries have affected them in pretty obvious ways. But, I mean, Cal Raleigh, you know... His baseline is a 200 batting average with a pop, you know? So I I don't know. I don't know that you're really gaining much from doing that. I certainly wouldn't want to drop Salvador Perez in order to pick up Cal Raleigh, and so do you want to roster two catchers? (laughs) I wouldn't.
0: Yeah. I get it. I mean, you know, they have the same amount of home runs, Cal Raleigh and Salvador Perez, 17 home runs each. Um, Batting average is a little bit worse here for Cal Raleigh, 231. So, there's just not many options, you know, like right. if for some crazy reason Francisco Alvarez was available in your league, okay, I guess you could make that swap, but, you know, other than that, it's I I, I think you're probably just riding it out here with uh, Salvi Perez. The call to the bullpen, a few updates here for the Phillies, Craig Kimbrell was unavailable. Sir Anthony Dominguez picked up his second save. For the Rangers, Aroldis Chapman pitched in the 8th inning with a one-run lead. He was facing the heart of the White Sox lineup. Will Smith then struck out 2 for his 19th save, and now has four of five Rangers saves in the second half. For the Giants, Camilo Duvall picked up his league-leading 33rd save. The Yankees, Clay Holmes allowed two hits, but picked up his 15th save. For the Twins, Yohan Duran allowed a run, but picked up his 19th save. For the Cubs, Adbert Alzali recorded the final four outs, including two strikeouts for his 13th save, and he's been money. He's been so good. 63% rostered if you are uh, looking for saves or a reliever. For the Angels, Carlos Estevez got the ninth inning with a two-run lead. He gave up a grand slam, which we mentioned earlier, to Cade Marlowe. Took the blown save and lost. Uh, And on the other side, Andres Munoz struck out the side for his fourth save. This might be a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it, Scott. Who would you rather have, Andres Munoz or Adbert Alzalei? Munoz. Okay. Was it a dumb question?
1: Well, I mean, Alzelay's been getting a lot of saves recently and appears to have solidified that role for the Cubs, and I think he's pretty good. But he doesn't have the top five potential Munoz does. I mean, Munoz... Munoz might be what Edwin Diaz used to be for the the Mariners. If you look at the characteristics of his pitches, very similar. And, of, mm-hmm. of course, in between a bunch of injuries, his track record's been great, too.
0: To stream or not to stream, let's start with Friday and... Oh yep, I remember this day. Not great, actually. Maybe there's a few. Reed Detmers up against the Mariners. It's probably okay. Graham Ashcraft has pitched better recently, facing the Nationals. It eh, might go okay. Um, Zach Detmers is
1: available enough now. Uh, actually, good question. Let's see. Reed, Reed Detmers is rostered in fewer leagues than Jack Flaherty. I never would have guessed that.
0: Reed Detmers is seventy three percent. Yeah, he qualifies. Okay. Uh, so Detmers, Ashcraft, uh, maybe Zach Latell at the Tigers, pitching for Tampa. Mm.
1: I would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Detmers is my top choice, and then
0: Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks is pitching, but against the Braves, no, yeah. no go L- for L- me.
1: The White Sox would be okay. I think that's all I'd be able to stomach. All right. In this-
0: on Saturday, I think uh, Christopher Sanchez facing the Royals. That's, maybe, that's fine. The Royals lineup has been a little bit better recently for what it's worth, but I think Sanchez I, is fine.
1: Um, I'm surprised they're going six man right now keeping Sanchez in, but that's yeah. apparently the plan for the time being.
0: Steven Matz has pitched well recently. He is at home against the Rockies. I think that's a pretty good matchup as well. Yep. Now, by
1: the way, I, I wasn't able to include him in my 10 sleeper pitchers, but next week... Mats is facing the Royals even better. So if he comes through against the Rockies, he he makes for a fine streamer as well okay. next week.
0: Do you see anyone else on Saturday? Uh, no. Nope. All right, let's get to Sunday where we are looking at Andrew Heaney versus the Marlins. Yeah, that's fine. How about Chase Silseth versus the Mariners maybe?
1: I mean, if you have to.
0: Jose Quintana probably, at the Orioles?
1: At the Orioles is probably fine. Left-handed pitcher in that ballpark it's probably a good thing.
0: Okay. I think those are the top three. Heaney, Quintana, Silseth.
1: Yeah, I would rank them that way too. Heaney, Quintana, Silseth.
0: All right, we're going to wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball Today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, and we will see you again next week. Bye-bye.